I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The Secret Cabinet. Hello and welcome once again to The Secret Cabinet. I am the translator of the show, Travis Dow, and this episode was edited by Sam Davis, creator of the American History podcast, Inward Empire. The original content is by Der Budler, who also does Angegraben and The Secret Cabinet in German. But today, it's all about filthy, sloppy courts and animal trials. In many countries in the world, Animals are no longer seen as simple, mere objects, even though legally they might be treated as such. But that's nothing compared to the extremes they would go to back in the day. In the medieval times and even early modern period, animals could definitely be criminally charged. The reason behind that was, as so often, the Bible. Because according to Exodus chapter 21, verse 28, we have, If a bull gores a man or woman to death, the bull is to be stoned to death, and its meat must not be eaten. But the owner of the bull will not be held responsible. Reports of trials against animals are therefore relatively common, especially in France. Most often, judgment would be held against pigs that had either injured or maybe even eaten small infants or toddlers, which must have happened relatively commonly. It was also pretty common to keep pigs in cities in the Middle Ages, where they were practical garbage disposals and were allowed to run around free. And not seldomly did they cause accidents or kind of break into houses. Or, you know, ate the unattended infant of the owner. 1266 is the first trial against a pig in Fontenot-en-Rance in France. And the files of those medieval trials, we see sentences and trial processes that would normally be brought up against people. There were all sorts of charges and even witnesses taking oaths Signatures were entered as evidence, and these were put through a notary. And so in the year 1499, from Sev, we have the trial record that says, and I quote, And regarding the so-called pig, 
We have come to the judgment and condemn it on grounds of this process and proven reasons on behalf of justice was hung and executed by royal decree and in front of the named witnesses according to our defined speech with right. And also in Germany, there were similar trials. For instance, one in 1582. Here the court officials of the princes of Jülich im Rheinland, a pig was accused of the killing of a child and was therefore sentenced to death. And the animal was given the whole treatment to break the animal's bone. It was put on the wheel, and I quote, for the memory and warning to others. 1379, a whole herd of swine were sentenced to death because of a sort of Good Samaritan law. Basically, the whole swine of herd did not step in when a fellow swine of the herd killed the son of the shepherd in front of them. The Prince of Burgund, however, mild the sentence a little bit so that only the main culprit pig basically got the death sentence in the end so that the poor swine shepherd wouldn't have to actually go bankrupt because of losing his whole herd on top of losing his son. Um, So common sense kind of prevailed there. But besides such processes and trials against pigs and, and other pets, there were even trials against whole collectives of pests and harmful animals against ladybugs and grasshoppers, rats, mice. However, these were mostly under the jurisdiction of the church that then thereby had to mostly answer questions of a territorial nature. Namely, did the swarms of locusts have the right to maybe settle on that farmer's field? We have a whole row of trials where sentences were doled out from the courts of the Bishop of Lausanne in the year 1452, 1477, 79, 1503, and 1519 against a certain beetle, namely the ladybug. A specific source was used for this, according to the Lausanne sources. First, the appointment of a procurator who would bring the little animals personally in front of the court. A courtly messenger was tasked to go and deliver the summon to the animals personally with the date of their trial. During the trial, the judge took one or more of the specimen of the pests in his hand and commanded them that within three days they need to leave the area in which they are now loitering, so to speak. If the animals would keep their word, then one thanked God in their prayers. But if the animals stayed stubbornly, then the trial must proceed after those three days, according to the verdict, because they, in that manner, did not follow our rules, our law, nay, in fact, much more the law of the church and that of God. They didn't listen to the sort of excommunication of Satan, the damning of him as we know it from the Almighty God and all his saints. As with humans, one also made lawyers available to those animals, however, only in ecclesiastical courts. Those lawyers, even back then, already knew all the angles of their trade and how to work it. 
the procurators normally tried to sort of deflect the charges with the argument that animals lacked souls and don't have any common sense or understanding and therefore are not capable of guilt. With the maggots of the beetles, one pointed to the greedy age of the animals. They were therefore just as capable of, of guilt and punishment as small children. An important French jurist named Bartholomé de Chassenet even built up a career in the 16th century with the defense of animal clients. He defended rats of the diocese Autun. He claimed that these little rodents were not given enough time to appear before court since they were always so busy trying to get away from the cat. And he thereby managed to get an extension of the trial and even a repetition of the evidence and appeal. 1520, he's even supposed to have successfully defended a trial in Mamirol, where he defended woodworms. Besides execution, the punishment was often exorcism, seemed to be a sentence of choice. One of the court of the bishops of 1452 used formula as following, I exercise you, sickness-bringing worms or mice, by Almighty God, the Father, and Jesus Christ, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, who comes from both, that you forthwith go from these waters and fields and vineyards, and disappear and no longer live in them on behalf of the Almighty God and the whole heavenly court and the holy church of God, that you, wherever you might go, are damned, that you lose weight from day to day until no place we can find the remains of you, except for those that is good for the use and the health of humans and is usable. And he who will make this so will judge the living and the dead and the world through fire. Similar speeches were made by bishops anywhere where you have kind of pests and locusts and that sort of thing. So also in 1596 in Marseille, Cardinal Aquaviva, Bishop of Cavaillon, the harbor of Marseille, because a whole school of dolphins were blocking the ships in the harbor there. With help of exorcism and holy water, the bishop eventually actually got the pesty animals to leave. But not always did the humans actually win the court. 1713, two Franciscan monks in San Antonio, Brazil, brought charges against a swarm of giant ants that had made the monastery compound unsafe. The lawyer proved in front of court that the ants had already clearly lived in South America longer and worked harder than the monks. And the verdict was that the monks actually had to get a sort of habitat to make up for their lost land and set this up for the ants. Since the adoption of the Constituto Criminalis Carolina, 1532, through Charles V, even uncouth behavior with animals, so-called sodomy, was officially punishable. Quote, So a man with a beast, man with man, woman with woman, be unchaste. They have abandoned their life, and one should, in the usual manner, save them from life to death through fire. That's according to Article 116. But here it seems to be a little bit different, because 
the execution of the animal was not actually seen as a punishment for the crime, but really put to death because of the shame of the humanly act and needs to be put out of memory. Courts often, therefore, burned even the documents after the sentence. Only seldom did these court documents actually make it to us all the way down today. Like with the trial of 1662 against a farmer named Potter, who had his farm in New Haven in the English colony called his own. At first he was caught with the family dog, but through the trial the whole sort of scope of his activities came to light. So that besides the poor dog, there was also a cow, two calves, three sheep, two goats, that all had to be kind of erased from memory. Only in rare cases were animals ever pardoned. 1750, there was a certain Jacques Ferrand who was caught by neighbors as he had um, pleasured himself with a donkey. In front of court, one of the witnesses actually vouched on behalf of the donkey. He had known her for years, and she'd always been virtuous and listened. The judge believed the witness. The donkey had not done the crime with her own free will. Jacques was hanged, and the donkey went free. But sentences against animals are not necessarily a phenomenon of the distant past. Even in younger times, animals have come in front of court, like the case of Mary, the circus elephant. The elephant, during a parade in Erwin, Tennessee in 1916, just kind of lost her mind and went wild and trampled one of the trainers to death. Mary had to answer for her crimes in court and was eventually hung by her neck from an industrial crane. However, the first attempt failed since the chain broke and Mary crashed to the ground and broke her hips. The second attempt to now hang the now seriously injured animal succeeded. Following that, Mary's cadaver was buried next to the railroad. And finally, a movie tip, the film The Hour of the Pig, 1993. Colin Firth is a medieval lawyer who is defending a pig who is charged with murder. Even if this movie has some historic errors, like for instance that animal lawyers weren't used for civil processes, only for the church processes. Otherwise, the filmmaker basically holds himself to historical facts. Enjoy! ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Are you a reality TV junkie? Do you ever think, dang, I wish I had someone to talk to about all the trash TV that I watch? Well, look no further, garbage lover, because Reality Gaze is a podcast for you. Hello, I'm Maddie. And I'm Poodle, and we're the Reality Gaze. We talk about all your favorite unscripted shows like The Golden Bachelor, Love is Blind, and TLC's big, messy behemoth, 90 Day Fiance. And if you're driving to work, folding laundry, or just pretending to listen to your husband talk about sports, just put on the pod, and you've instantly got two gay besties spilling all the tea and reading these people for filth. So come at us, y'all. Find Reality Gaze wherever you listen to podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com <laughs> 